Welcome to the Retail Ready Podcast, hosted by Ben Wyatt, your destination for product development, food trends, and some serious knowledge bombs about the food industry. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Retail Ready Podcast. We're on episode number 59. Before we start, I just want to do a huge shout out to our main sponsor, Huff & Puff Pork Crackle, who just continue to give great support to help grow this podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined by Chris Illman from the Bickford Group. Chris has got a great story to share. It started off with a cancelled trip to Expo West, but then last minute they turned this negative into a positive for both their company and for Australia. Upon returning, Chris and the team adopted their production facility to start producing hand sanitizer for the COVID-19 crisis response. It is an incredible story just shows how this company along with many in Australia had to adapt very quickly not only to keep jobs but also to stay relevant for the market conditions. In this episode we discussed the brands that Bickford groups have, beverage trends which I found very fascinating because we spend a lot of time just focusing on food here so it's really good to stay ahead of the market here in terms of beverage trends and I think you'll find it very interesting too. So for now just sit back relax and enjoy the story. Huff & Puff Pork Crackle is Australian-owned and made right here from 100% real Australian pork. Hand-fried and available in a range of flavours, the tasty crunch is hard to resist. Chris Hillman, welcome to the Retail Ready podcast. Uh, It's an absolute pleasure to have uh, you on the show because I'm, I'm excited to hear your story, but more so from a brand that most households like you'd have to be living under a rock not to know about this brand um and what's great is it's a it's a real australian brand still privately owned still um pumping out the bottles but the information you sent through to me last week blew my mind just as how big of a portfolio pickford's actually is so i've mentioned the name I'm with Chris Elman, who is, I believe, the Group Sales and Marketing Manager at Pickford's. Is that correct? Oh, listen, I roll with that. Um, I like to think probably more Jack of all trades, Master of none, but that's what the business card says, yes. (laughs) Lovely. Well, welcome to the show, Chris. Um, Do you want to give a brief overview of what you do, what Pickford's is in a nutshell, and then we've got a great story to tell. Yeah, absolutely. Well, ultimately, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to, I guess, tell the story. Um, listen, Bigfords has been around for, for quite a while, initially set up as an apothecary in Rundle Street uh, in Adelaide, uh, which is obviously an old school chemist. Uh, in 1874, uh, it turned into an aerated water business, uh, was privately held then, and as you said, is privately held today. So we're 100% family owned. Um, our production facility is located in Salisbury uh, in South Australia. So we have the wonderful opportunity of producing uh, great brands that go internationally as well as uh, domestically. Yeah. You've got some uh, great brands, haven't you? I've literally yeah. did my homework. I, I, I didn't want to be uh, – I always try and do a bit of research uh, with each guest. And this is one of them where I actually did a bit more than normal because – you just get led down different pathways with all your different brands. Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know, yeah, obviously since 1874, we've been known for for cordials primarily and carbonated drinks. Uh, You know, we are the number one premium cordial in the category with over 70% share uh, with, you know, flavours like lemon lemon bitters and raspberry and pollen, et cetera. 
and then you move into that carbonated sector, uh, which took along quite nicely with our traditional sodas. But uh, what we're also well known for is a liquor portfolio. So around 2002, uh, the business deviated into uh, the alcohol industry, initially in a contract pack agreement, and then into procurement of brands. And today we own mainstream brands like Vickers London Dry Gin, uh, Vock Liqueurs, which is the number one cocktail liqueur domestically made, Black Bottle Brandy, which is going through a wonderful renaissance uh, at this point in time, as as people are bunkering down and gravitating back to brands that they love and know, yeah. uh, even into brands like Galway Pipe, uh, Australia's number one uh, premium tawny, Andrew Garrett Sparkling Shiraz, Queen Adelaide Wines. Uh, back a couple of years ago, we acquired Vale Brewing, uh, so we're now heavily invested in the craft brewing space. But ultimately, as I said, it is all underpinned by Bickford's. Um, that's what's on the door when you come in the front office. Uh, that's where the volume is, and that's that's most important to our business um, ongoing, both domestically and as I said, globally. Yeah, that's fantastic. Some great brands, and uh, that Vickers Gin, uh, being a gin um, taster and enjoyer myself and consumer, I've uh, I've had a few bottles of that. So it's nice to know the uh, the actual heritage and the the ownership behind it, which is which is great. Yeah, but we. I want to touch on. Um, Expo West. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You you went to, I, I like to call it the Disneyland uh, for adults in the food and beverage space, really. And it's, it's one of the best places I think you can go to get inspired and see just amazing brands and opportunities. And you guys went over there uh, in March this year to then get told it had been cancelled because of COVID-19. <laughs> Firstly, how was Expo West um, from that point of view? And what happened at Expo West to change the direction of your business uh, from literally all those brands that you just reeled off to doing something completely new to help literally Australia um, fight COVID-19? Mm. Well, you're right. Uh, we landed into downtown LA that first week of March and obviously going into that we knew there was a risk. Uh, we didn't anticipate what we've experienced March and April now uh, as a consequence of that. So uh, we still felt that they would run the program, run the event. So we landed in and we were there for 24 hours and we got the note that said, uh, you know, we're cancelling and postponing, more importantly. So we took the opportunity at the start of that week commencing to March to do some personal development. Uh, we did some planning, uh, you know, new product development into business strategy, brand strategy, because uh, we had the, the whole executive team from the group uh, along with some key brand team members. Uh, and yep. then as we were working through all of that, obviously we're talking about, you know, cordials and juices and alcoholic beverages. And we've invested in a, a new filling technology called aseptic filling. Uh, so it gives us a wonderful opportunity to move into dairy-based drinks and plant-based drinks uh, and a range of innovation in that territory. So we settled all on that. And then we're just about to jump on the plane and this COVID-19 scenario was building a bit and then we sort of thought, well, what if we moved into hand sanitizer? Uh, <laughs> as you do. Yeah. As, as you do. Uh, you know, and at that particular point in time, I had no visibility on what hand sanitizer was apart from mm. gel in a pump pack. Um, with a couple of brands that I was aware of. Uh, so 
you know, we thought maybe, you know, given the fact that we're a large producer of neutral spirit uh, with our distillery in Queensland, our Beanley Distillery, uh, we produce, as I said, quite a bit of neutral spirit there in our 23rd Street Distillery in Renmark. Uh, so we had some debates with operations over email as to what we can do and when we can do it. And we landed back in Australia on March 11 and got back into the office and the team had already worked out what the key ingredients were to make hand sanitizer, which then and still is three simple ingredients. It's uh, neutral spirit at 70%. Uh, it's glycerin, uh, which is that softening agent uh, that gives it that nice soft feel and water. And uh, we worked out that we could repurpose a, a line that we have here, uh, put it into what was essentially a drink bottle at that point in time. Uh, and have it on market within 20 days. So, I mean, I've been with the business a little while and we've innovated within three months, uh, you know, at a, at a real sharp pace, two and a half months, but 20 days from start to finish, um, label design, bottle design, liquid design, on market availability it was the, the quickest thing that we've done. And, it's not uh, bad at all, is it? <laughs> yeah, and, and it's given us a wonderful appreciation as to internally that entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial can't say the word nature within our business. Yes. Uh, you know, we, we see an opportunity, and you know, we we allocate the resources accordingly and bring it to market quickly. Most importantly, what we've been able to do though is is support government, is to support schools, is to support health authorities, uh, and also to help the general public. You know, we we put that product on our e-commerce platform and sold uh, in terms of revenue, 24 months worth of revenue in a month um, by just offering uh, sanitizer to the general public. Wow. Uh, we've, we've sold it to uh, SA Education as an example. And my niece uh, told me only yesterday that uh, she was at school yesterday, uh, sorry, last week. And, yeah. you know, I had sanitizer was in every classroom in Blackwood High School. So that, wow. that, that ultimately gives you a wonderful sense of pride as well too that, you know, we can help in some small way to keep people safe uh, and it's not all about, you know, uh, putting product out there that drives revenue and, and bottom line profitability. You know, you can uh, help out those that, that are in need and as a consequence of that, we're now working on a project uh, to be able to produce sanitizer in different formats uh, going forward that uh, will actually fall more into line uh, with health authority needs, which is a higher percentage of alcohol for neutral spirit. Yeah, okay. Wow. Uh, so you think you'll still you'll still play in this space, and it's, uh, it's it's probably a new pillar in the business that you didn't expect what two months ago. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And and to be honest, and I'm more than comfortable to say this, I, I didn't think that uh, a, a deviation into hand sanitizer was something that was our core business. Uh, and then delving into a little bit further and, and thinking a little wider. You know, I remember listening to one of your podcasts previously and you talked about who moved my cheese and, and reading that book. And I read that book many years ago in a previous organisation. And that's exactly okay. what happened with our business. Uh, you know, we, we saw an opportunity. We had capability, resources and availability of uh, infrastructure and people to be able to execute that. And we're able to move move our cheese and understand where the movement was going to and, and deviate into that area. Now, uh, you know, there are a number of manufacturers in the space uh, alongside of us. And obviously, fully imported product is, is backfilling the pipeline. So 
uh, we're now looking at what the long-term strategy can look like for this business. And we feel that we can play a role of locally manufactured hand sanitizer, all from ingredients and or product that we produce. Uh, as I said, we produce neutral spirit. Uh, we don't produce glycerin, but you know we, we have a water brand. It's called Aquapura, so uh, we, we do have access to, to great high-quality water. And you know we're a business that can produce quite a bit of volume um, when it comes to non-alcoholic beverages. So, yeah. So some would say that uh, we may have a thirty-seventh trademark um, to the overall mix of of business opportunities. Well, it, it just proves to show that you went to Expo West and actually uh, got something from it. To be honest, that's a, that's a fantastic, <laughs> fantastic outcome in itself. At least the the business can't moan at uh, sending a, a flight load of people over there and coming back with nothing. So <laughs> yeah, well, you know, certainly in previous years we we have attended that show and, and it's been a wonderful opportunity to understand globally what mm. businesses are working on. And I still remember some four years ago uh, seeing Califia Farms explode in the US. Yeah. And seeing that plant-based territory being a huge opportunity for our business as well as the domestic marketplace. And from that, it's been a, a long journey, but we now have that ability with that aseptic filling line to move into plant-based. And we've done that uh, with Almond Milk Ice Coffee, uh, which is available in all great PNC and retail outlets. Um, and we'll continue to broaden out distribution across the country. But, you know, that's a wonderful uh, opportunity to extend Bigfoot's from a juices brand, a cordial brand, and a carbonated sodas brand into dairy. Uh, you know, Bigfoot's is synonymous with iced coffee syrup, been around for 100 years, uh, but that's one ingredient into a great iced coffee beverage, and we've then deviated into that, that RTD territory and, and seeing some, some really big opportunities coming from that. So that's only going to be the start um, of our plant-based build-out. That's fantastic. And there's not many businesses that would go to Expo West, come back with an idea to to change, you're literally changing production, you're changing recipes, you're changing mindsets and culture to go into something new. Is that something that's embedded in the Pickford kind of mentality or is it, are you are you a team that wants to try new things or what's the, what's the view there as a business sense? Uh, yes and all of the above. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it all stems from, you know, a senior leadership group that believe that being entrepreneurial, first to market, first mover rights, gives you the biggest opportunity to step change business performance, but also category performance for our customers. Uh, so that entrepreneurial spirit comes all the way from our MD all the way through the business. Uh, but, you know, that entrepreneurial spirit is such that it's a, it's a key success pillar to our business, but it is all about great uh engaging and energetic people within the business and uh you know we've we spent a lot of time trying to bring the right people into our business whether it's on our alcohol side of the business on our non-alc side uh, and the fact that we're also a homewares business as well too i didn't share that information with you, but, <laughs> just, uh, just, just <laughs> yeah you yeah, know we're we're one of the largest uh, retailers in homewares with with will and barrow uh, and it all sits under that that group consensus. And again, great people uh, driving great initiatives, energetic, focused, uh, that enable this business to continue to be successful. Um, and you know, just little examples of these energetic people bringing new ideas to life is the, you know, we've got four hospitality venues around the country, and we we unfortunately had to close all of them down with COVID nineteen. And so those team members worked out well, what do we need to do? 
uh, to continue to add value to this business. So they started doing virtual tastings. They started doing, uh, you know, Friday afternoon drinks and having people, you know, dial in via Facebook and do a tasting of our beer portfolio or our wine portfolio, um, doing takeaway sales out of our venue at Remark. That doesn't happen unless you've got energetic people that, that really yeah. want to add value to the overarching business strategy. But at the heart of everything that we do, it's about great brands. Fantastic. And we've got. And to, t- to touch on those great brands, because I'm keen to know, and I'm sure people who are listening would like to know kind of what what consumers were doing uh, during the last two months in terms of those brands. Like, did you see an, an uplift across the whole board of brands? Or did you find, were there any key surprises? Say, for example, did Cordial... Um, increase or decrease like what what was the view there so stable brands that people respect know and love and have for a period of time really performed well in the months of march and april may we'll see but march and april were were two very very good months uh for brands like bigfoot's cordials bigfoot juices um certainly having you know double digit growth over same period prior year what surprised me, I'm sorry, before I get on the track, I mean, it didn't surprise me that, you know, pantry filling uh, was happening yeah. in those particular categories, especially with consumers spending more time at home. What surprised me was was value brands on the liquor side of the business, uh, you know, mainstream value brands like uh, Queen Adelaide Wines, you know, 100% growth up on prior year, Half Mile Creek, uh, even into Black Bottle Brandy, Vickers, Gin, Andrew Garrett, Sparking Shiraz. These are brands that people know and love, but because of the needs and and the bunkering down at home, I think consumers just decided to, to go with what they know, go with what they trust uh, and, and buy those brands. Our premium brands, uh, 23rd Street as an example, certainly slowed down. Yeah, uh, okay. know, Consumers weren't willing to spend at scale $80 on a, on a gin, but they were more than comfortable spending 42 44 on a on a Vickers London dry. So that's the beauty of having a wide portfolio is that we can cater for multiple consumers on multiple occasions. And, and ultimately, we were very, very lucky in those two months to perform at a reasonable rate with those brands. But as I said, from a hospitality perspective, we had to close all four hospitality venues down. Uh, you know, our casual staff had to be stood down as a consequence of that. And we redeployed our people um, where we could. So as an example, we have two very, very capable people who run venues for us, um, hand selling, cold calling and sanitizer. And, you know, doing an immense job at driving that um, to the betterment of the business and the betterment of of consumers out there looking for that solution when it was hard to come by back, you know, at the latter part of March when out-of-stocks were rife. So, um, again, you know, great initiative that as a group we all believe that that was the right thing to do once we don't have homework, of course, and rolled it out from there. That's fantastic. I'm uh, I'm intrigued. Like that, that's fantastic insight because it's always good to see where where the growths were in different markets. But you said that the premium brand kind of didn't take off as much as the value and uh, no ones. And I, I've just been doing a piece of work um, last couple of weeks to try and work out where the next six to twelve months will take the consumer with behaviours. So I was looking mm. at kind of past behaviour in different countries and who went through uh, recessions or kind of crises and kind of trying to work out 
where that is. And mm-hmm. in, interestingly, one of the key areas during a recession that grows is kind of premium alcoholic brands because no one goes out. So they want that mm. small kind of indulgence. Mm-hmm. Um, for men, it's alcohol. For women, um, which a new term that I've learned uh, the last couple of weeks is called the lipstick effect, where it's like mascara and nail polish. Um, and literally yeah, beauty, um, self-care, indulgence. So it'll be interesting to know if that brand uh, increases compared to last year. Um, I'm intrigued to pick your mind in uh, 12 months' time to see if that actually is the case, but we'll find out. We will. Uh, and in actual fact, I've got a great piece of data come across the table today um, from Nielsen HomeScan. And I was really surprised with this, but over the last four weeks, cosmetic, uh, deodorants, shaving, facial tissues, and sanitary protection have all had double-digit declines um, over the last four weeks. That is apart from shaving. So that said to me that with people, you know, operating and living from home, they haven't had to really worry about what they look like, yeah, um, which surprises yeah. me because you know if you're doing a Zoom meeting, uh, you're doing a Microsoft Team meeting, you still need to, you know, get your mug on screen and. Uh, you know, that, that was quite surprising to me. But I guess that the insight around premium brands probably doing it tougher uh, in the liquor business was just because, you know, there's just been so many people who have been affected by, by what's going on. Yeah. I think the federal government has talked about over 10% unemployment rates is what we're going to expect um, coming out of the back end of this. So I just think in this short-term scenario, I think consumers have just focused on what their specific needs are and what's going to suit their needs as a consequence and you know and the value piece has been so important uh, but you're right um you know when you look at the growth of premium gin craft gin in australia um that's all been born out of the fact that consumers are bought into a wonderful story uh whether it's you know local production local uh, ingredients uh great distillers great family businesses making great product sorry ben. um uh, yeah, sorry, I just got to focus on through the same time I was talking. Um, if I go back, um, what I'm tending to see is that premium brands will continue to be a, a major focus for consumers going through because people are continuing to buy into that, that local story, uh, whether it's local manufacture, local ingredients, uh, localization of production. Um, consumers really engage with that. And the number one thing uh, that I tend to find in that premium space is the ability for people to trial, touch, see, feel that supply chain, feel that story. Uh, and that's where the beauty of great seller doors will always be important for brand build, as well as uh, as great production methodology as well. Uh, again, that, that the people can really get a, a really tangible feel as to, as to what's gone into that particular product. Deliver that and what you've then got is a great opportunity for premiumization. Um, because there will be a subsegment of consumers out there willing to pay for that um, because it shows care, it shows empathy, it shows um, craftsmanship, um, which, you know, in the real world doesn't come cheap. Yeah, no, that's fantastic insights. And it's always good to speak to someone of your calibre and kind of your expertise because I, I predominantly base myself in the food world, whereas... Mm-hmm coming from a, a beverage world both alcoholic and non-alcoholic so it's been absolutely fantastic to hear 
to hear that kind of the side and I'm I'm, in, I'm very intrigued I, I'd love to get you back on uh, whether it's six months or 12 months to actually see where where the landscape has actually changed because we're coming out of one crazy time well hopefully we're coming out of one crazy time to go into potentially another crazy time that we've never seen before with unemployment rates and kind of a shift in behavior so it'll be I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to know where your space goes one thing I'd like to know is, like, with all the innovation that's going on in Pickford, and you mentioned plant-based, is is that the direction that you're going with a business? And are you moving away from a specific area, such as, say, well, you've got 60% market share, you said, of Cordial. Do you see still see that as a driver for consumers, or is that an area where you think consumers will move away to a different area? What we've seen in Cordials in particular, is the huge opportunity to bring lapsed users of that category back in. Uh, so we're not the number one overall volume player in total Cordials. There are other brands playing that role. What we're seeing, though, is the consumer at scale willing to consume less but consume better. But what they're also seeing is a lot of gaps, you know, within that Cordial category. So we've delivered against that with sugar-free. So we're yeah, okay. launching... Uh, two new flavours of sugar-free cordial uh, that have been uh, accepted into independent retail uh, and certainly one of the larger uh, multinational supermarkets. So we will continue to innovate on on portfolios like Bigfoot's, uh, being juices and cordial, so as I said, sugar-free in that space. Uh, juices very much in that wellness territory uh, and there's yeah, there's no better conversation to have it than, you know, sort of gut health, uh, yeah. inner health based upon what we've seen uh, with this COVID-19 scenario. I think searching uh, for for gut health and, and these types of um, areas have gone through the roof um, given uh, this particular scenario that we're going through. So we have gone to our key customers and talked about innovation in that particular territory that delivers functional benefits uh, to consumers looking to uh, round out their diet. But absolutely, our plant-based is incredibly important given our capabilities and resources that we've invested uh, into aseptic filling. And, and with that comes a, a great opportunity uh, to be first to market with a couple of different territories uh, with regards to plant-based. On, on the liquor side of the business, um, for me, it's rum. Rum coming yeah, okay. forward, uh, continues, continues to just chip away. Uh, mm. Consumers at scale now are really considering fully imported rums from, you know, as I like to say, place I'd rather be, uh, Antigua, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jamaica, yeah. uh, Cuba. So the inquisitive nature of the consumer, especially driven through on-premise style bars, etc. People are broadening their horizons. They're, they're moving out of, say, uh, bourbon, and then they're trialing these different flavors in different locations. That's only going to help. Um, with changing the narrative or building on the narrative when it comes to domestic rum. Uh, you know, we've been in the category, well, a little while, and we are the, the number one distillery and first distillery ever uh, sort of set up shop in Australia. Uh, so with that being the case, we do have some, some very rich history, but it's a long-term build. But I think there is light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to Australian rum and consumers really looking for something a little bit different, whether it's depth of flavour, depth of colour. And the other big one is Australian whiskey. Uh, you know, the oh, interested. consumers are really diving into 
premium whiskies, whiskies with a story, whiskey with a great supply chain. So unique uh, grains, unique processes, unique maturation. With that uh, comes, you know, great opportunities uh, for businesses that are willing to invest in whiskey. And it's, it's not a cheap investment. Uh, you know, you need to lay that material down for upwards of two to three years uh, to see a return on your investment. So uh, that's one particular category that we've invested in. Uh, we have a hybrid whiskey at the moment from our distillery in in Remark, and that's a blend of Scotch whiskey and an American bourbon. So that was our first foray when 23rd Street opened its doors in 2016. We put our first single malt on the market uh, all around six months ago, and uh, we sold through that volume within three months, which was, you know, gave us a great deal of confidence that this Australian whiskey phenomenon is is exploding, uh, and we'll look to have, you know, more iterations of our house style come to life over the over the ensuing periods as as material um, matures and is ready to be released. And what's most important is you release a great tasting product at the right time. So you can't rush it. You can't turbocharge it. Um, you just need great people like, you know, our head distillers at Renmark, uh, Shane and the team down there are doing an enormous job at, uh, at delivering us a, a great quality product uh, that we can, you know, offer to our consumers, whether it be through retail or, or through e-commerce. And, you know, that's another great sales channel that has, has exploded uh, given this COVID scenario and that speed to consumer um, via e-commerce is the key to success. Definitely. Well, that that actually is fantastic insights, uh, especially for me. I'm sure everyone who is else is listening here uh, is taking those insights because, as I said, like I'm I'm all around the food, never the beverage space. So it's always good to hear what you have to say um, around next trends. And even though I am a a lover of gin, well, I've not been this year. The aim is not to actually drink for the rest of the year. I've given myself a stupid challenge. Um, so <laughs> I don't know why that, I've done that. No, listen, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, consuming in moderation is absolutely fine, and, and that's the reason why you're looking at non-out beer. Uh, mm. you know, there's, you know, you've got uh, CUB who've launched their non-out beer. You've got Heineken with their 0.0. So many, yeah. So yeah. That, it's interesting when you open your eyes to a new category that you'd never even explored. Uh, you go, oh, there is actually a market for it. And I'm keen to see, yeah, being a, a rum fan as well, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the different options that come into that space as well. So absolutely fantastic to have your insights and more more fantastic just to hear the story of Pickford's and just how nimble, agile, and how you just turn things around in 20 days. That That is absolutely incredible. So... I just want to thank you for your time, Chris. Uh, it's You've taken time out of your day to, to tell a fantastic story. And if people wanted to, well, they just have to walk into a supermarket or any retailer to see your products. But if they wanted to follow more about the Pickford story, where, where would where would be best to send them? Oh, listen, the best place would be uh, Bigfords, bigfordsgroup.com.au. That's, that's our overarching uh, business website. Uh, we've got all the standard handles on Facebook. Uh, all of our key focus brands are all on Facebook and, and Instagram. But thebigfordsgroup.com uh, is the best place to get a starting point and then you can navigate your way to, to those brands. Uh, get you, drink, you, drink yourself through all the different brands I have to offer because, yeah, there's, there's someone there that I didn't even know um, were under your banner. So it's it's fantastic to know. So 
again, thank you, Chris. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, yeah, wish you wish you all the luck in the world with the different brands and uh, the different trends. And I look forward to speaking to you very soon. No, I appreciate your time, Ben. Thanks so much. Do a great podcast, by the way, too. Um, <laughs> thank I'm, you very I'm much. I was intrigued with it, and you've got some great guests and come on. So thank you uh, for, for taking the time in the industry to provide those insights and connections for people. No worries. Thank you for that feedback. That's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> no worries, mate.